everyone, and welcome back to the Van Maren Show. Today, I want to take another look at one of the cultural trends that is profoundly shaping the world that we live in here in the West, but that is badly understood even by many of those who are writing commentary about that. Now, as I've mentioned before, I have quite a few interviews coming up in the next couple of months. I've been waiting on the publication of a number of books that I think are very important. Uh, and those books, I think, have a lot of helpful content for those who are trying to make sense of the, the increasingly crazy world that we live in. But in the meantime, I wanted to start off the first couple of months of this year really digging into a couple of the areas of research that I've been committing myself to over the past a year or two. I'm working on another book, which will hopefully come out at the end of this year. We'll we'll see it's, it's ending up being much, much longer than I thought it would be. And so I have to figure out whether or not the length is okay or whether or not I have to really shorten the book. But what, the, the point of the book is really to just understand how our culture got to the point that it did to understand the trends and the forces around us as opposed to simply just reacting to the news. Um, and there's there's a lot going on at the same time because what we're seeing is not just a collapse of Christianity in the West. I would argue that that happened a couple of decades ago. But what we're seeing is sort of the aftershocks now. We're seeing the collapse of cultural Christianity. And the collapse of cultural Christianity has enormous implications for virtually every Western country in ways that people don't fully understand yet. Now, what do I mean when I say cultural Christianity? Well, there's a lot of people who don't hold any Christian beliefs, but at the same time would, would strongly identify with one religious tradition or another for a wide variety of reasons, often for uh, reasons of, of, of identity, for reasons of community, for reasons of family. And I often actually think of this story uh, that Rod Dreher has told several times in several essays, and I believe in one of in one of his books. Rod Dreher is is an Orthodox writer now based out of Budapest. You might recognize him as the author of books like *The Benedict Option*, *The Little Way of Ruthie Lemming*, uh, *Live Not by Lies*, books like that. Anyways, when he as a teenager converted. Um, initially to Catholicism. He, he relates that his father was very, very upset. He, he came from a sort of a traditional southern Louisiana family. And he couldn't understand why his dad cared so much. And he said, Dad, we don't even, we don't even go to church. Um, he said, but the Dreyers are, the Dreyers are Methodist. And he said, yeah, no, but we don't really go to the Methodist church. And his dad said, the Methodist church is the church that I don't go to. In other words, the Dreyers had always been Methodist. And whether or not he was in church every Sunday morning was not really relevant to the fact that being Methodist was a profound part of the identity that he held as very, very important. And we're seeing <clears throat> an increase in this. There's a lot of people, I'm sure you can all cite your own examples, right, where you meet an Italian, a person of Italian descent, and they'll identify as Catholic, even though they may be going to church on Christmas and Easter. Um, people who will identify with uh, one one version of Christianity or another, but as a cultural identity, uh, um, identity as, a, as a family identity, as a community identity. And when they say that they believe, you know, or they're like, oh, I'm, I'm an Italian Catholic or I'm an Irish Catholic, um, that may just simply be letting people know where they're from, where their origins are, what their roots are, but they may not actually believe any of those things. And so 
we've kind of seen the collapse of Christianity unfolding in the UK. If, if rates continue at this level of decline, uh, there will be no Christians left in 2040. Uh, in Canada, a mere 11% of people attend any form of worship at all, which basically means that 89% of Canadians attend no regular form of worship, and that 11% includes Catholics, Protestants, then Sikh temples, gurdwars, synagogues, mosques. So when we're when we're talking about a post-Christian reality, we're talking about people are a generation or two removed from having any solid understanding of of what faith actually constitutes and what Christians actually believe. And I often th- uh, think of a of a quote from Ernest Hemingway when I'm looking at the collapse of of cultural Christianity and the implications that has <clears throat> excuse me for our culture at large. Um, How do nations become post-Christian? Well, to quote Ernest Hemingway, gradually and then suddenly. And let's take a look at the states for a minute, because for years, the U.S. was sort of a bastion of religiosity that was holding out against the secular trends. Uh, It's one of the reasons why in his uh, 2010 book, uh, America Alone, Mark Stein talked about how the United States was unique in a lot of ways. Uh, The United States was uniquely religious. We still see that religion plays a, a really, really important role in, in American culture wars. Um, like American politics has always been inextricably wrapped up in religion to one way or another. But in recent years, we've seen the needle start to move in ways that are incredibly concerning and are sort of ominous indicators that the future may not be shaped by the same forces <clears throat> as the present. So according to a 2019 poll, between 20% and 25% of American adults now identify as nuns. That would be N-O-N-E-S, not nuns as in N-U-N-S. Nuns as in they don't identify uh, with any specific religious tradition, although they may hold a sort of potpourri of various spiritual views. And, excuse me. This is a percentage that is higher among younger adults than older adults and is likely indicative of a long-term trend. Now, if I go to a 2020 political morning consult poll, uh, this is only four years ago, 49% of voting age Gen Z respondents identified as either agnostic or atheist. And that really is a sea change, 49% of Gen Z respondents. Um, If these numbers hold... And what we've seen is that the rise of technology is causing a break between the generations because traditionally speaking, what would happen is younger people were more liberal, but then as they got older, uh, they would engage in a whole series of experiments or experiences, pardon me, that would make them more religious. So they would get married, they would have kids. Very often they would end up going back to church once they got married and had kids, even if they had left church for a while. They would integrate themselves into the community and live very much like their parents in many ways. But with the rise of technology and with the collapse of cultural Christianity, what we're seeing is that the younger generation does not appear uh, to be getting conservative as they get older. And one of the reasons for that is because they're not engaging in the same experiences that their parents and their grandparents and their great-grandparents did. Um, Increasingly, they're not getting married. Increasingly, they are not having children. Um, And instead, what they're doing is, is they're living increasingly post-modern lives. In fact, marriage is being rejected uh, out of hand. Pornography addiction has a lot to do with this. The isolation imposed by social media and technology has a lot to do with this. 
But what we're seeing is a generation of people that are growing up without any religious views whatsoever, without any cultural Christianity whatsoever, and that this is having profound implications for their views. And they do not have these rites of passage into adulthood that previous generations had that mean they're likely to be more conservative. So... To unpack those numbers a bit further, consider that a 2017 survey found that only 11% of Americans claim to have read the entire Bible. And just to put the, the converse on that, that means 89% of Americans have not read the entire Bible. And this gives you a sense of how flimsy cultural Christianity is, because if you're a Christian, you believe that the Bible is the Word of God. Uh, presumably that means that this is of sufficient importance that you should read it. <clears throat> In fact, you should reread it, you should study it, you should commit parts of it to memory. Um, but when you when you see that 89% of, of Americans have not, in fact, read the entire Bible, it gives you an indication of, of how thin cultural Christianity really was. And it also sheds a lot of light on the discourse surrounding, uh, quote-unquote, evangelicals and Christian nationalism and, and things like that. Because what you have right now is a lot of discussion in mainstream papers and, and in documentaries about how evangelicals do this and evangelicals do that. And what I'm always interested in is, how do you actually define an evangelical? Is this somebody who goes to church regularly, who takes... Uh, his or her family to church regularly? Is this somebody who engages um, with the scriptures? Um, or is this somebody who doesn't darken the door of a church <clears throat> but identifies uh, as an evangelical for identitarian reasons? Um, this would be like comparing a Catholic who hadn't been to church except for uh, you know an Easter a couple of years back when his parents were in town uh, with somebody who faithfully attends church every single Sunday. Um, when somebody calls themselves something, it's really important to find out what they mean by that. And so I think that a lot of our discourse surrounding the outsized impact <clears throat> of Christians on, on on politics has a lot to do with progressive one, progressives wanting to, to demonize Christians and scapegoat them for everything uh, that's going wrong as opposed to a reality in which uh, Bible reading, you know, Protestants and, and, and faithful Catholics are changing the public discourse. <clears throat> so this is, is not necessarily a surprise because even Americans who identify as Christian are now abandoning any semblance of, of orthodoxy. So 40% of Americans who identify as Christian claim that the Bible is quote-unquote ambiguous on abortion, which makes sense because a huge percentage of them won't have actually read the entire Bible. 34% reject the biblical definition of marriage, and another 34% claim that abortion is morally acceptable. Um, those who identify as Catholic have the highest levels of acceptance of the redefinition of marriage, of of, of same-sex marriage, uh, whereas uh, white evangelicals <clears throat> and those who identify as Reformed still have the highest levels of fealty to these 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 traditional concepts of 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 life and marriage, which again just kind of indicates the extent to which a lot of these terms don't really mean anything. If somebody identifies as Catholic, uh, like Joe Biden, like Nancy Pelosi, but at the same time endorses everything that the Catholic Church teaches is, is a sin, then obviously they're not a Catholic in any real or meaningful sense. But as we know uh, from today's culture wars, you can identify as pretty much whatever you want these days. It doesn't mean you actually are that thing. There are plenty of evangelicals who would identify as evangelical, um, but their beliefs and the way they interact with the world would bear almost no resemblance to what traditional evangelicalism would look like. <clears throat> 
So there are many reasons for the rise of the nuns, but the one of the ones that I wanted to really focus on is that many people who merely identified as Christian as a nod to their culture or heritage without actually believing any of it are now abandoning the label because it's becoming socially inconvenient as we advance further and further into the post-Christian age. Because until very recently, and it's very easy to forget this in 2024, but until recently, identifying as some sort of Christian was a net positive. And that's why elites like Barack Obama did so. Uh, you might remember that... Um, well, some of you will remember that during the uh, the Monica Lewinsky scandal during the Clinton administration, um, Bill Clinton barbled on and on about uh, about his 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 Baptist beliefs and waved a Bible around quite a bit. Um, he got away with it, despite the fact that uh, a Republican who does the same is promptly condemned. Um, Hillary Clinton has claimed to be a Methodist. Uh, she probably doesn't go to the same churches as, as the Dreyers, perhaps. Um, <clears throat> and she's there's been books actually written on the faith of Hillary Clinton, which I. I genuinely find amusing. Um, Barack Obama um, writes in 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 in, in, a, in one of his pre political memoirs that when he when he got to Chicago, he realized that if he wanted to make inroads into the African American community, then the first thing you were going to have to do was find a church. And so he found himself a church. And some of you uh, who are political hacks like myself might remember the the eruption of scandal during the election that he eventually won, in which his uh, his his pastor, uh, what was it, Reverend? Uh, it was Reverend Jer Jeremiah Wright, um, was was saying all kinds of fairly horrific things about the United States, and that this is a church that Obama had allegedly been going to for a long time. We now know, based on the like mammoth biography of of Barack Obama um, by David Garrow, that he had supported same sex marriage for a very long time, but he switched his views in order for them to be palatable when he ran as president. He told uh, Southern Baptist Pastor Rick Warren that he believed marriage was between one man and one woman, and then he promptly <clears throat> abandoned that view the moment he was politically able to do so. Some of you might remember that he lit the White House up in the rainbow colors uh, after the Supreme Court passed Obergefell v. Hodges in 2015, imposing same-sex marriage in all 50 states. But what's interesting about that is, is Barack Obama was a very good example of a cultural Christian, somebody who had no Christian beliefs, who decided to go to church for purely community and identity reasons, and then you know, hung on to that identification as long as it was convenient for him, but abandoned that identification as as soon as it was convenient for him as well. Now we see uh, that Christian identity as the LGBT movement becomes ascendant becomes a net negative, and now many are just switching their allegiance to the new cultural elites. And that's especially true of younger Americans who have, been, who have come of age cut off from their civilizational inheritance and profoundly deformed by the public education system. So just to give you some, some examples on that, for example, around a quarter of Gen Z, those born after 1996, for those of you who don't know, identify as gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, or genderqueer, which doesn't really mean anything, while just a few years ago, less than 3% of the population identified on the LGBT spectrum. And to give you an idea of, of how short an amount of time the sea change came in, when, I, when my book, The Culture War, my first book, was published in 2016, Every data set I could find from Europe, Canada, the United States did in fact indicate that around 3% or less than 3% of people identified as LGBT. The transgender movement was hardly uh, hardly a cultural force yet. Now in 2024, we've got uh, a staggering almost a quarter of, uh, of people 
or a third of Gen Zers say they know somebody who uses gender-neutral pronouns, which weren't even a thing back in 2016, to refer to themselves. And nearly 6 in 10 say forms or online profiles should allow more options than man or woman, and that consequently, and this is going to have profound political implications, religious liberty, particularly as it relates to discrimination against LGBTQ people, does not resonate with younger Americans. That is from Politico. And essentially, Gen Z is growing up with a third of the population identifying, or I'm sorry, a quarter of Gen Zers identifying as gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, or genderqueer, a third of them knowing people who use gender-neutral pronouns, and consequently, as a result of that, um, most of them just don't think that religious liberty is a thing. They, in fact, think that religious liberty is essentially a poor excuse for bigotry. And the public school system will, of course, have had a lot to do with that, where LGBT curriculum is mandatory in, in most Canadian public schools and in several states. It's actually state law that they be taught LGBT curriculum as a mandatory matter, of course. And so, in short, the upcoming generation of Americans increasingly views religious freedom as over bigotry, think about that. Forty-nine percent of voting age Gen Zers vote or identify as agnostic or atheist. Uh, a quarter of them identify on the LGBT spectrum. This does not bode well for the future, considering that these upcoming generations are going to be shaping the culture. And so, identification with the LGBT movement is going undergoing an astronomical rise. And identification with Christianity is plummeting at the same time. And I think it's significant that dozens of new sexual and gender identities have recently been invented, which are essentially allowing heterosexual people to claim LGBT status. In 2023, I wrote about this for, for LifeSite at the time, 38% of Brown University student population identified as LGBT+, with many simply identifying as other, up from 14% a decade earlier. And an overwhelming majority of those identifying as non-heterosexual in name, however, are only interested in relationships with the opposite sex in practice. And interestingly, gay rights activist Andrew Sullivan observed, most of those claiming to be bisexual were in fact only in relationships with the opposite sex, which meant that... What you have is thousands upon thousands of young people adopting the LGBT label, but not adopting the LGBT lifestyle. And you'll notice that this is the case because just as people would identify as Christian without living as Christians or practicing Christianity, we are now seeing people defect to the new cultural elite group, the new group that dominates the culture, and that is at the moment the LGBT movement. And now they want ways to identify with this movement even though they are not uh, in any way interested in engaging in that lifestyle. So you have people who are, are, are heterosexual, who are straight, wanting to identify as LGBT because it's a popular, trendy thing to do. It identifies you with the in-group. It identifies you with the dominant cultural group. And the reality is that people are claiming to be so, not because lots of them were stuffed in the closet for years and now get the opportunity to come out, but because it's trendy. Uh, Dr. Eric Kaufman of the University of London has noted that although LGBT activists like to claim that a more accepting culture has allowed more people to come out of the closet, the data actually tells a very different story. The Center for the Study of Partisanship and Ideology has tracked data that confirms what Sullivan has observed, which is that LGBT plus identification has risen sharply while same-sex activity has not. And here's what he told one media outlet. If this was about people feeling able to come out, then we should have seen those two trends rise together. What we find instead is that identity 
is rising much faster than behavior, indicating that people with occasional rather than sustained feelings of attraction to the opposite sex are increasingly identifying as LGBT. What this means is that it is more likely that vague terms like queer are allowing straight kids to obtain the status and privilege that now comes with identifying as LGBT without actually engaging in same-sex behavior. Because the term queer doesn't really mean anything, and you have gay writers like Douglas Murray pointing this out, that queer was considered to be a slur 20 years ago or even, even more recently, and now if somebody identifies as queer, it's not actually clear what they mean because it can mean they still like somebody of the same sex, it can mean they like somebody of uh, of the opposite sex. When you use the word queer, you know all of your work of explaining what that means is is, is still ahead of you. And let me give you an example. Like exhibit A here would be Michaela Kennedy Cuomo. Now, you might know the Kennedy-Cuomo family. Um, uh, the Kennedys and the Cuomos were two of the big Catholic, uh, the big Catholic political families in the United States. Uh, the Cuomo family is famous because of, uh, of New York Governor Andrew Cuomo and his father, who was also governor of New York. Um, you know, all, all his, his, brother, uh, his brother Chris Cuomo, of course, was, uh, was fired from CNN. And the Kennedys, of course, uh, need no introduction at all. But Michaela Kennedy-Cuomo, who was the daughter of uh, disgraced New York governor, Governor Andrew Cuomo in 2021 came out and announced that she was queer. And she just wanted to announce that she was a member of the LGBT community. And she went on and on about this on Instagram. Less than a month later, she announced that she was demisexual. Now, I had never heard of this term. And so I Googled it. And so demisexual is defined, and I am not making this up. I'll quote directly from one of the LGBT manuals. It is, quote, a sexual orientation in which a person feels sexually attracted to someone only after they've developed a close emotional bond with them. So apparently there is now a very specific word for not enjoying being promiscuous uh, or for not enjoying whoring around. Uh, again, a demisexual is just a sexual orientation in which some, a person feels sexually attracted to someone only after they've developed a close emotional bond with them. Like this is complete nonsense. Essentially, they're making up entire identities for every imaginable kind of feeling, inc- including just a very feminine and normal female feeling of I'm attracted to somebody after I've been uh, emotionally connected with them and after I feel safe around them. Uh, she just essentially, Michaela just came out as a pretty average female and instead she gets to be queer and demisexual and has a flag and identifies with this huge movement and gets to pretend that she's very very repressed just because she's completely normal but so desperately wants to not be normal because not being normal is now normal and in an Instagram live uh, cast, Kennedy Cuomo described her journey. Listen to this, quote, When I was in middle school, I came out to my family and close friends as bisexual. When I was in high school, I discovered pansexuality and thought, that's the flag for me. Uh, notice how she words that there. And I've recently learned more about demisexuality and have, have believed that that identity resonates with me the most. There's so much there to unpack, right? So you, you go to the school... And she's learning about this stuff in high school. Not at all. Not at all. Um, 
<laughs> this, is not, this is not at all an accident. So they're being presented with all these identities and told they can pick one. And she, that's why she says, I, I thought that's the flag for me. In other words, she was presented with all these options. Pansexuality basically is you're more or less willing to come on to anything. Bisexuality, of course, is you're attracted to both genders. You know, she pretty promptly rejected that one. Queer means nothing. It just means you're definitely not straight. Uh, and then she learned about demisexuality and thought, ah, that's my thing. The only thing she didn't want to be was was uh, heterosexual, because at the end of the day, then she would be, according to her own progressive worldview, just another pretty white girl with astronomical privilege coming from two of the most powerful political families in the history of the United States um, with deep religious roots, uh, incidentally. And so that, of course, she couldn't just be that. She had to be special. Uh, and she had to identify herself with the in-group, with the people who are simultaneously oppressed and dominating the culture. And that's why she discovered that she is, in fact, LGBT as well. And it's interesting because the older generation, the Kennedy Cuomos, were culturally Catholic and that a lot of them identified as Catholic not because they actually believed in Catholicism. Their private lives were quite famously horrifying, but because they recognized that be identifying as culturally Catholic, for cultural, for family, for identity reasons was very, very important. And the cultural Catholicism was often very important to them, even when they had no desire to live by any of the tenets of the Catholic Church. And now the younger generation of Kennedy Cuomo are opting to be culturally queer, and for all of the same reasons. We essentially have people who are opting to identify with one of the major cultural forces. Now, some have argued that the skyrocketing rates of young people identifying as LGBT indicates a social contagion. And there is truth to that analysis for sure. But I think these stats also indicate the sheer scale of the LGBT movement's near-total victory in not only mainstreaming their ideology, but achieving cultural dominance in key institutions. A key sign of that dominance is the fact that so many young people desperately want to identify with the LGBT movement. And what we're seeing as a result is that cultural Christians are rapidly disappearing and cultural queers are replacing them. And we're going to see a lot more of this in the years to come. There was an article in the Daily Mail a couple of years ago where a mother said uh, that her 13-year-old daughter told her that in her classroom, nobody wanted to identify as straight because that was, quote, dumb and boring. In other words, they wanted to identify as something else. Well, what do you do? when you actually are heterosexual, as the vast, vast majority of people still are, um, but you want to identify with the LGBT movement. Well, now suddenly you're a pansexual or you're a demisexual or you're a bisexual who only ever happens to fall in love with somebody of the opposite sex. And as Andrew Sullivan points out, when you break down the data on people who are actually engaging in behavior uh, uh, with somebody of the same sex, you realize that the numbers haven't changed all that much from 15 years ago. It's higher than 3% now, especially as pornography rewires people's brains and introduces them to new sexual fetishes and attractions. But for the most part, it's we're not seeing an astronomical rise in men who want to have sex with men or women who want to have sex with women, so much as we're seeing an astronomical rise in young men and women who want to identify with the rainbow flag. Because if you haven't noticed, the rainbow flag is hoisted over every major institution for at least a month of every year 
increasingly more months. In Canada, we don't just have Pride Month. We formally now have Pride Season. And so now you've got, I think the Kennedy Cuomo family is actually kind of the perfect microcosm to discuss this because they're a family that claimed to be Catholic while championing abortion, while championing LGBT rights and all of these things. Um, but insisting that their Catholicism was very important to them, and as a matter of identity, it was. Uh, and now you see the next generation down, you see their children identifying as culturally queer, even though they aren't, and they don't behave like queers besides waving around a flag. Um, they're not actually gay, and that's why they use the word queer, which, again, queer used to be considered a very like dirty, pejorative word to use that you were not supposed to use. Now it just means... We're not quite sure. It means somebody is standing under the rainbow flag and looking around, but don't really know where they want to end up yet. And so now the Kennedy Cuomos are drifting in that direction, and we've got demisexuals and bisexuals and queers and you name it. Um, and so I think that there's... When we look at the rise of the nuns, I think it's hugely concerning. I think that uh, we have to look at uh, Gen Z. When you've got when you've got forty nine percent of Gen Zers identifying as agnostic or atheist, and you've got almost a quarter of them identifying as LGBT, this is hugely concerning. I'm less concerned about this the collapse. And when people say, "Look, uh, like Christianity is hemorrhaging," you know, ten percent of the population every decade. That's not true because the reality is one of the reasons we're seeing the number of people who identify as Christian crater is not because people have been have been abandoning uh, a sincere belief in the Apostles' Creed and droves. It's simply because people who used to identify as Christian for cultural reasons, for reasons of convenience, are now deciding not to do so. And that's why we're seeing the identification with Christianity drop as we see identification with the LGBT movement spike. It's because what we're seeing is the herd move from the forces that used to dominate the culture to the forces that currently dominate the culture. And those forces, I think, are going to have a profound impact uh, on, on all of our countries going forward. I hope that was helpful. If you'd like to listen to other uh, analysis, please head over to LaySightNews.com. Click on the podcast tab. You can find our podcast there. We're still doing a series on how to understand the culture uh, through the lens of what's been going on over the last uh, the last five years. Um, I also blog about these issues at LaySightNews.com. You can head over to blogs and, and you'll find my blog there. Um, you can get our content wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks so much for listening this week and we hope you'll join us again next week. <laughs>